0: I am Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Since our digital transformation forums are right around the corner, we're sharing a powerful interview from last year's event. Forrester's Martin Gill discusses Nestle Nespresso's digital transformation journey with global head of e-commerce, Cyril Limblard. Let's take a listen. Let's start with
1: your role at Nespresso, global head of e-commerce, what does that mean?
2: I'm the global head of e-commerce for Nespresso since 2009. Basically, I'm in charge of delivering the the performance on both sales but also customer satisfaction and protecting our future, transforming the organization to make sure that we remain uh, there in the years to come and delivering the best experience for for our customer.
1: And the the scale of your e-commerce organization is quite impressive. I know we can't go into exact numbers, but it's kind of easy to think of Nespresso as just a little coffee company, but it's
2: really not, is it? Ah, it's, a, it's a big business. When I joined Espresso in 2009, I, I used to say it's, a, it's an interesting startup with a strong business model behind. We were seven people in charge of e- e-commerce, all in, all in Lausanne, uh, and we have no operations in the, in the market. And we grew the operation to more than 500 plus people uh, in, uh, in the world, operating in more than 40 countries now. And the business grew from several hundred millions to several billions. So that's the magnitude of the change we have to manage. And as I was saying, what was really important and challenging during this period is to deliver on one side the performance, the customer satisfaction and also transform because you need to constantly adapt to your customer.
1: So from your perspective, that digital business, e-commerce, they're the same thing really, aren't they? Now, we talked about yesterday the, the four quadrants or the four rules of digital business experience, operations, ecosystems and innovation. How do you think about digital? Is it all of that? Is it, is it one thing in particular?
2: No, it definitely it works on both operational and, and the customer experience dimension. And what I listened yesterday, what I really believe is the digital transformation actually is really a business transformation. And it's all about the, the customer and the journey. We realized a few years back on Espresso that our, our customer you know, are navigating between online and offline. Uh, naturally, and what they're having during this journey is a pure Nespresso experience. They're not having an e-commerce one, they're not having a physical store one. They're just having an espresso experience, and they decide what's relevant to their context. And really, our job, us as uh, channel owners in Nespresso, is really to deliver the best experience, whatever, uh, whatever the channels. And we focus only on the, on the journey, and that's the most important part: to focus on the customer. And paradoxically, in order to deliver the best experience, it doesn't start with technology. It doesn't doesn't start with digital. It starts with your people. And the capability to bring the relevant people in your organization to decipher uh, this evolution and trends and deliver the best experience and build the puzzle, you know, that is relevant for your customer. Because, in fine, what your customer expects is relevant experiences to their context is this delivered by a digital solution, an AI or a person for them is the same as long as they get what they want uh, now. And that's a challenge eh, for uh, any of us in charge of digital transformation. And our customer live now. They don't live in two years or five years from now. What they expect is a relevant experience now. And that's really a big, big challenge for us.
1: So that, that customer expectation, we know, and we will tell you time and time again at Forrester, that customer expectation changes so quickly these days. Now, you're running an operations, what, 12,000 employees? Yes. Um, across yes. 40 countries, 60 countries, some you know, global scale. How do you connect the customer expectation, or how do, you, how do you connect those 12,000 employees, rather, to the customer expectation and keep it you know, up-to-date and relevant?
2: First of all, in Espresso, we have, uh, because we have a huge network of boutiques, call centers, um, and also now more and more digital uh, savvy experts in the organization, uh, 75% of the uh, population of Nespresso is dedicated to customers, so customer-facing somehow. So, espresso, uh, Nespresso, but we assess ourselves, of course, on sales, but more importantly also on customer satisfaction. So, we have different ways, uh, customer voice, NPS, uh, at all levels that are, that are applied, and we track complaints. And we get complaints from all different sources, from all channels, and they are all logged. But these complaints and feedback from customers are monitored at board level. And we are all also looking at it on a very regular basis, on markets are looking at it on a daily basis. On my side, globally, I'm looking at them on a weekly basis, and the board is looking at it on a a monthly basis. And we are really working on these two dimensions, delivering, of course, the efficiency we have as a business, but also focusing a lot on the customer experiences. And also in order to go further in walking the talk, because when we talk about customer centricity, of course, you have channels, you're a boutique uh, manager, and you say, yeah, but me, I'm incentivized on the quality of the experience I offer within my boutique. And you're not seeing at the customer journey. So how do you make sure that these people in your physical store are also thinking customer journey and not only what they deliver in the boutique? So what we did at Espresso, we also incentivize our, our physical store managers on catchment area. So where, whatever the business is from, being on digital or in boutique, uh, people get incentivized, and now you make sure that your people are totally driven to your customer, and will provide what is the most relevant experience to your to, to your to your customer, to their context. So sometimes people want to have a, a boutique experience; it is just perfect. They want to experience the brand in three dimensions. But in other context, the mobile and the reordering process on the mobile is just what they need, and they need to be able to push for it without being penalized on their bonus. If not, it does. It's not working. It's conflicting. So you have to make sure that you remove this friction also internally in the way you structure your operations. So it's
1: it's tying every individual's every individual employee's incentives to mm-hmm. the goals of the
2: organization, not the channel. Yes, and on my side, for 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 instance, I'm the global head of e-commerce, but my incentive my incentive on the sales performance is not on e-commerce; it's on the global one. So we are winning all together, not alone.
1: So this is a transition you've been through, though, isn't it? Because when I I first started working with you guys, probably five years ago, you were you had well, you still have this culture of excellence. Everything has to be perfect, right? The perfect coffee experience, and why not? But so you've gone from this world where you have the perfect boutique, the perfect website, the perfect mobile app, to uh, flip it on its head and put the customer at the centre. That's got to have been painful. That's got to have
2: you know broken some noses and caused some fights and. I would not say painful. It was uh, it was rather an experience, and uh, as as you've seen in the video, all the people are are really driven by excellence and espresso at all levels, and how we deliver the best experience to a customer on all the dimensions, being the product or 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 the channel uh, experience. But with what we did, we started by, uh, by creating a big, uh, big momentum around a, an internal meeting around Omnichannel four years ago and say, okay, now we're going to look at the journey and really the channels are really secondary. So all the channel leaders of the company were on stage in front of the, of the leading team uh, from, the, from the markets. And we explained that now the focus is going to be uh, on, on, on the journey and not the channel anymore. And that's something that is uh, very, very impo- important uh, to, to address and to work together. On, on digital, what we did uh, to accelerate this, uh, this transformation, uh, of course, we had to, to revisit some, some technical operation, but my main focus has been from day one on people. And my beliefs in digital transformation, it starts with the people uh, and the competencies you're able to bring in, uh, in your organization. Uh, because if you one of the big mistakes we are we can do in big operation is to limit a digital or business transformation as a technical uh, project or, or, or program uh, and uh, that's maybe a one off uh, element, but that not will protect you on the on the long term if you don 't have the relevant skills and people to decipher the future because today it's hard to predict uh, what will be the future we have some direction we know AI we know data we know plenty of dimension that will mm, I use as compass on my side to see where we are heading to, but the reality today is a bit different. But what you need in the organization is to have people, what I call the, or digital experts, that are for me the barbarians, that are in the team there to decipher what's coming next and being able to assemble uh, the different opportunities brought by by, uh, technologies and make meaningful and relevant experiences for our customer. But if you don't have these people, no one will be able to assemble uh, this piece of technologies or innovation coming into something that is meaningful for your customer. So that's why it's so important to have these people uh, From day one. So we built from scratch huh, in uh, operation. We were seven as I said. now we are more than 500 uh, people in the organization. It's a, it's a big team and what is super important also to amplify uh, the role and the influence in the organization is to connect them uh, to make them talk to, to, to because an espresso we were centrally managed. What we did here, we decentralized the organization and we connect them horizontally through uh, charter tools and, and so on to make sure they share and we accelerate and amplify. And the strength also of this community, uh, actually me and myself, I'm considered as a leader of a community of, uh, of, of, the, of the digital experts of, N- of Nespresso, is they amplify the momentum you're creating because you in the headquarters in, in centrally, You can say things, you can say this is a way forward, this is where we need to go. But if you have hundreds of people in the market repeating the same, you're stronger. And this amplifies the message to your management. And this makes the change even stronger in the operations.
1: So it's in essence, you're giving away control, or at least giving away tight control to create a network or an ecosystem of people within the organization.
2: Yes, exactly. What I did when I started my job is to lose power. I have everything in my hands when I joined Nespresso and I started to say we need to decentralize and actually my belief was I will be stronger.
1: So you, we've, we've talked in the past about this idea of tensions healthy tensions within the organization and you've, you begin to bring one up which is this kind of corporate versus barbarian kind of attitude. Yes. So where do you the digital barbarians I love the idea of that. Do you, do you have to hire for those people those change agents and troublemakers or do you, can you find them internally.
2: Yes. Yeah, so what I, I say is. Uh, My job is to protect the futures, and often in big corporations, the people that are leading the operation are the ones that made the success of the past. And what you need to bring is these people that are able to disrupt a little bit your structure and be able to protect your future and not your past anymore. So the the strategy we took is to hire uh, these competencies, put them in uh, very key roles within the organization, and to challenge, amplify uh, the messages and being the ambassador. So the idea is not to oppose uh, the people that made the success of the past with the one that are well equipped for the future, but it's to make them work together. And we are lucky in a in way that we have a common language between the corporate, what I call the corporate, and the barbarians. Uh, the unified language we have together is not English, but it's, uh, it starts with English in most of the case. It's the data. We all speak in data. So, uh, and digital people, they live in data because they constantly optimize and so on, and how you bridge these two walls to make understand uh, where to go and what are the benefits for, for the future. But these people also are very important to manage another tension that is for me very important, is the tension between data and intuition. Uh, traditional salespeople, they feel the business how it's going to evolve commercially, they go in a retail, and they can see things and feel it. Digital people are the same. They look at the trends, they're nourished by all the trends, and they start feeling what is going to be the evolution. Uh, And we need to trust this intuition. As you know, there is a big famous sentence saying, no strategy has been proven analytically before it was executed. So it's very important that you have these people that can feel and make you evolve and start thinking outside the box. There are other tensions that are for me important. I was talking about delivering and transforming. I could talk also about uh, agility, uh, a- agility and scale. As we imagine, I'm the head of a global business of few billions. So I want to be agile. I want to adapt uh, quickly on the front and the experience. Uh, so it starts with the people I brought in, but also in the way you see the operating model. So we are decoupling the front. You know, leveraging APIs, web services to make sure we are able to to use uh, the new evolution and technology as a Lego, and that's super important. So with the people that understand the future, and the system and operating model that is more open uh, and decoupled, you can create this agility. But at the same time, I want my IT people to be able to scale, uh, because I don't want my website to be down. Uh, we have to scale for the growth we're having in all this, uh, for this global business, and that's super important. So that's the paradox, I, I would say, about uh, business transformation, and you have to manage. It's not all, it's not deliver or transform, it's not uh, barbarians or corporate, it's not data or intuition, it's not, uh, it's not about agility or scale, it's end. And that's what I learned during these uh, nine years on Espresso.
1: So another tension that then emerges is the, the tension between having a rigid process, so you want you you change control, you want to make sure you don't break a website, but at the same time, you want to encourage collaboration. You want to encourage innovation, and you want people to do new things. But you don't want them to break the existing. So, how is an espresso a process organization, or is it a, is it a more open collaboration organization?
2: Uh, yes, it's a process organization. You don't run a business of several billion without processes. Let's be clear. Uh, like any other big organization, we have a tendency to over-process. And at the end you wonder if you're working for your customer or for your process. Uh, and that's, I think, in, anyone in a big corporation will feel this. So we need process for what they bring in terms of scalability, stability, but also we need to disrupt this process to, to gain agility on the front. So what we are also doing is we are, as much as we can, we are, we are trying to merge uh team between business and IT. The concept of being separate, you know, between business and IT in a digital age is is from the past, is wrong. Uh, you need to assemble these people together, and they have to build together the future. And by doing so, you remove a lot of, uh, a lot of different layers that are creating uh, useless uh, processes. So very often, uh, one of my role huh, is really to, to make sure that uh, even when we do mistake, because the temptation in a big corporation is, recently we had an issue uh, in, uh, in, uh, on the website in, in Germany, Uh, And when we realized the problem, it was fixed in like 30 minutes. But the reaction of the management was to say, okay, now we need to create a process to make sure this will not happen again. But actually, we were about to create a process on an exception that was treated very well. Actually, no, I don't want, because the reaction was right. We understood, we fixed the problem. Uh, I don't need to create a process that will be applied to the rest of the organization on something that was exceptional in a given market. And that's something we need to resist a lot. Uh, that because we have the tendency to uh, to, to, to over complexify uh, uh, setup. So that that's one of the interesting things I think
1: you guys have done really well, which is you have a central team, mm-hmm. or, or do you call them central or corporate? central team. Central. so central team in Lausanne but you've got digital skills embedded in the different markets mm-hmm. to really get a deep understanding of why is Germany different to the US to you know whichever other the markets is that something that you you know did you lead that process of finding the people in the markets as Are, well
2: yes that's very important that's why also we build this uh, this community in uh, in all our markets It's our eyes and ears of course they operate locally so they understand I believe uh, people in the U.S., people in Japan are the best people to run the e-commerce and the digital operation in their own country to deliver relevant experiences to the context of the customer, that is um, super important, but at the same time they are very important and they are very well aware of their role, they are eyes and ears uh, of what's happening in the market, on the trends, on the evolutions, to help us to innovate and to be better. And thanks to this community, we are stronger. Instead of imagining everything from downtown Lausanne, so I don't know if you know Lausanne. Lausanne is a small city, it's a beautiful city, but we are surrounded by mountains, chaos, so very well connected. (laughs) Uh, It's an amazing place to live. Uh, But to feel what's happening uh, in the digital world, in New York, San Francisco, uh, Tokyo, and so on, you need to have people there that are there to to, to feed you back with uh, what's happening and how you need to to evolve, and that's creating tension, as we imagine, between central and local, because people in the market say, "I want it now." It's happening now in my in my countries. And you, you have to manage the complexity. But it's what I call an healthy tension. I like it. It's what I wanted initially when I created this operation, because it makes us better, and more equipped, a better equipped also to prepare uh, and protect our future.
1: So, since going global is an interesting example of scale. So, since you launched online, you've, you guys have scaled so quickly. Your growth has been phenomenal. So what was what do you think was the biggest challenge of managing that scale without breaking the existing operation?
2: But it's it, yes, it's it's, uh, it's it's managing the tension uh, between uh, uh, be, between what you have to do now. So basically, we invested a lot in the in the technology to make them evolve uh, and at the same time in people to to run the, the, the channels in the markets. So there was a, there was a tension, uh, of course, because you always have the feeling that you're late, you, and that's anyone working in digital, you always have the feeling that people are going faster than you do, but what is important is to refocus on the feedback on the customer. So look at what the customer and the customer journey, and that's maybe the most important part, because it's how you can reassure yourself on what you're doing is right or is wrong, It's not about what you're reading, it's not about internal PR or external PR, people are doing, I made these nice prototypes and so on. It's what's really create value for the customer that is fundamental, and it's by listening to them uh, and checking all the time what you're doing to them and getting this feedback that you're right in what you execute, that you get the reassurance you're going in the right uh, direction.
1: So pr- prototypes take us takes us onto the whole kind of concept of innovation mm-hmm. and you know trying to trying to experiment with things. How do you innovate and test and learn and fail and not get fired? Yes, been
2: nine years, so I failed a lot yeah, many times. Still and there, I'm yeah. still I'm a survivor. Not that I'm saying you failed. But. <laughs> no, but we failed along this journey, of course. Uh, uh, but basically, it's, uh, it's it's a school of humility. Uh, you, you test new things. You have to be humble. You have to believe in your figures, so you have to believe in your intuition, and then you let speak the data, and you see how it works. And what works, you keep it as an enhanced uh, customer experience. And in, par- in parallel, you have to do more fundamental research. When you talk about AI, for instance, and the evolution, how this can disrupt, uh, how you're going to deliver customer service to your customer. Uh, through call centers and so on, you have plenty of things you could imagine now. The reality is not today, you cannot uh, replace your call center by uh, artificial intelligence, uh, and I'm not sure it will uh, fully on the, on, on, the, on the long term. But at the same time, you need to have units that are disconnected from day-to-day operations that are able to look at these trends and start testing, and creating prototypes, and looking how it works, and testing them with, uh, with customers. So you can do also control group with your customers, and you look in the the real life what it means. So it's about testing and learning, and and trying to adapt also your operating model. What my concern for me is to make sure my operating model is compatible with the future. Uh, It's important that we disconnect the front from the back with web services to be able to connect with all these new things that will come, and the new ones that will come that we don't know yet. So we need to be ready for that. And really the most important is to make sure that gradually you're able to open up your your, your system. Uh, And of course, we are building up on our legacy. We have a legacy system we have to live with. That is great, and have also some uh, limitation. Uh, But if we are here today, it's because this legacy system delivered what it delivered. And we have to constantly adapt. and, And I think the strategy around APIs and web services is fundamental for any business to prepare the future. So that enables you to innovate very rapidly. Yes.
1: So we're almost out of time. One last final question. Quick question. If you were to go back nine years, you've been at Nespresso. If you were to go back nine years in it in a magic time machine, what would you do differently?
2: Maybe I will focus less on technologies when I joined Nespresso because we have a a big scalability issue uh, to fix. I focused a lot on the technologies to make sure that we were in business at peak time uh, during two years in a row. And by doing so, uh, I've been pictured by the management as a tech guy, you know, uh, which is nothing wrong. Huh? Don't get offended by, by this. But I always perceive myself as a business developer adapted to the digital age and not a tech guy. I understand technology for what it brought to the business. And, but the perception to my corporate leaders at that time was we were technological people. And they didn't understand the magnitude of the transformation we were in. Uh, and the business dimension of this, of this transformation. So I will refocus more on, on, on the business uh, than on the technology. So that's what I will do more. I think I'll lose a little bit of time at the beginning on this
1: one. Okay, great. I think that's a fantastic place to leave it. Reconnecting the technology back to the needs of the customer and actually putting the customer at the center of everything. Please join me in thanking Cyril. Thank you.
0: Learn how to put digital transformation to work for your organization. Join Forrester analysts and technology and business leaders at one of our upcoming digital transformation events this year. For more information and to reserve your seat, visit forr.com slash 2018 events. That's forr.com slash 2018 events. Thanks for listening.